Would you please open your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 11, the book of Zechariah chapter 11, continuing our series. Uh, and uh, even before we get into the passage this morning, uh, I just have a, a couple of things to say. Uh, first, I want to say, I love you. I deeply love you. And words cannot uh, express the great sense of privilege and joy that I feel uh, in serving as your pastor. And uh, the reason I say that is because I'm going to be saying some difficult things today. Uh, this is a difficult passage in many ways, uh, both to understand, but as well as the truths that this passage speaks are uh, some hard words. And, uh, you know, my task is to be faithful to the whole counsel of God to preach to you both the comforting, encouraging portions of Scripture, but also the challenging portions of Scripture. And so I hope that you will hear what I say today as coming from a heart of love that God has given me for you. Uh, I'm going to be naming uh, certain teachers who misuse God's Word. Again, the intent is, is love and to protect you and to care for you well. Uh, so I just want to express my heart to you even as we look at this difficult but very important and powerful passage in God's Word. Zechariah chapter 11. I'm going to pray one more time. If you would just in your hearts join me in this very simple prayer from Psalm 19. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. It was a day that I will never forget. A day that is still Fresh in my memory, it feels like it was just yesterday, when uh, there was this big event entitled Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday took place almost exactly three years ago in this very building, in this very hall, where on this stage, in this pulpit, a very famous preacher or pastor, quote-unquote, came to preach. His name was Chris Oyakulomi, and he was uh, from Christ Embassy Church in Nigeria, and he was hosted by their branch in this building, Christ Embassy Church here. Chris Oyakulomi, if you haven't heard, is the third richest pastor in the world. And Pastor Kurt and myself and some of our other lay pastors at the time heard about this event. Pastor Chris was there, uh, Pastor Anwar. The four of us came to see what was going on. And we were shocked. Because we entered this hall, and, and you can imagine the capacity of this hall is 500 people, but 800 people were crammed in the hall, in the room. There were numerous safety code violations. Uh, Kurt and Anwar were like bouncers or bodyguards at the front doors trying to restrain the crowd. And people were pushing and driving and hurting to get in. Some people just pressing against the glass of the doors. And when, you know, when you're wondering why, I just want to, you know, for him to just see me. So that his anointing can fall on me. The same thing was happening simultaneously in the basement as well. While the person on the stage who was the worship leader just spent the whole time screaming in tongues. Eventually... The famous Pastor Chris, whom they were referring to as Father Chris, 
Father Chris made his appearance and when he came on stage, there was mass hysteria and chaos. I can never forget this. You know, I, I, the Lord saved me out of, some of you know, out of a wild background of rock music. And I've been to a few, I've been to a Deep Purple concert in India when I was young. And uh, I've been to a few rock concerts in my day. I have never seen hysteria like I saw that day. And screaming and jumping and yelling. Because Father Chris made his appearance. Father Chris uh, went on to preach a message in which, you know, I was there just trying to count how many false teachings can you count per minute. Uh, because he was teaching all sorts of falsehoods and heresies about our Lord Jesus Christ and his person, who he is. And he was even telling people that, you know, you when, when you become a Christian, now you have a human body, but you have a divine soul. And because you have a divine soul, you have the power to speak things into existence. So you can speak good health and it'll come to you. You can speak riches and it'll come to you. And at the end, you know, they ask them, what do we have to say? The, the MC of the event asks, what do we have to say to our Father Chris? And everyone says, oh, Father Chris, we love you. And then came the baskets. You see, all of the aisles, there were baskets placed. And then as these poor souls left the hall, they were dropping envelopes into this basket, into all these baskets, to pay for Father Chris's first-class flight back home. What does God have to say about teachers like Father Chris Oyakulomi? What does God say about this situation? In fact, why does such a situation occur in the first place? Why do people fall into the hands of evil shepherds who teach lies and take their money and abuse them? Today's passage in Zechariah answers these questions, friends, as we learn the truth about evil shepherds who abuse God's people. Last week we saw the beautiful and transformative effects that God has as a shepherd over his flock. This week we're going to see the effects of evil shepherds when they use and abuse the people of God. And today's text warns us, brothers and sisters, it warns us of the dangers that we face from evil shepherds. It tells us of the judgment and punishment that God will bring upon, upon such shepherds. But it also tells us of the judgment that God brings on us when we reject Him as our shepherd, when we resist His rule over our lives. And so this morning, I want our hearts to be sobered. May your hearts be sobered. May we examine ourselves so that we do not resist the good shepherd and his lordship over our lives. So that we are kept away from bad shepherds and return to the shepherd, true shepherd and overseer of our souls. So as we look at the passage, there are two skits I, I told you, and we've looked at this previously in Zechariah. Sometimes the prophets uh, communicate uh, by way of doing a little drama, uh, a little play or, or, or a play act or a skit, right? They're told to enact uh, something that's happening. And there are two of those skits in this text as uh, the prophet Zechariah enacts the role of two different shepherds. 
And as we look at the passage, it's a big one, uh, you know, 17 verses in the chapter. I, I want you to think of a sandwich, all right? Think of a sandwich. Uh, you know, you have two outer layers, which are like the bread, two pieces of bread. And then in the inner layer, one, one layer inside, you have whatever condiment you like, you know, maybe lettuce and tomato or onion or, you know, I don't know what you want. Uh, so that's the second layer. And then right in the middle, you have the meat, okay? So that's how we're going to go through the past. We're going to work from the outside all the way in. And as we do that, we're going to see three truths about evil shepherds. Three truths about evil shepherds. Number one, and this is the two outer layers, the first pieces of bread, okay, as you take your first bite. Evil shepherds will face God's judgment. Evil shepherds will face God's judgment. Look at verses 1 to 3. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour your cedars. Wail, O Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen, for the glorious trees are ruined. Wail, oaks of Bashan, for the thick forest has been felled. The sound of the wail of the shepherds, for their glory is ruined. The sound of the roar of the lions, for the thicket of the Jordan is ruined. And then you have the bottom slice of bread at the end of the passage, verse 17. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. So the passage begins and end, ends with God pronouncing a curse, judgment against evil shepherds. In verses 1 to 3, we see this imagery of trees, the cedars of Lebanon, the cedar of Cyprus, glorious trees, the thick forest and the oaks of Bashan. These are many ways of saying the same thing. And I told you before, in the Old Testament, and especially in the ancient world, Trees were used as an image to depict leaders, all right, leaders. And so what this is saying is that God is going to cut down these trees, these leaders. Last week, we saw that the Lord was angry with those shepherds, those leaders who led his people away from him to worship false gods and to pursue after false dreams and visions and false superstitions. So we saw God's anger last week. This week we're seeing the result of his anger. Total and complete destruction of the leaders with no hope of return. And in the context, the leaders being punished in this chapter are both the false and evil leaders of Israel. You know, the false prophets, the evil kings, the lying priests who led God's people astray, as well as the evil leaders of the outside nations under whom Israel was experiencing oppression and judgment and punishment. There's a cutting down of these trees, of all these leaders. They're going to be wailing and howling. It says there's a sound of the wail of the shepherds. They'll be howling under the pain of judgment from God Almighty. Verse 17 brings back again the same picture in a different way. Again, we see this curse, this woe. Woe to the worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. The evil shepherds who mistreat and abandon God's flock will face a terrifying judgment. And, and this judgment here is, is depicted for us in a, in, a, in a horrific way. There's a sword going to strike his right arm and pierce his right eye. The text says, 
His arm is going to be wholly withered. It's, it's like one of those horror movies or movies, you know, where all of a sudden the guy's flesh starts drying up and withering and then it just becomes complete dust. Let his eye be completely blinded. What God is saying is this shepherd is morally worthless. Now he's going to become completely worthless in every way. As we read the Old Testament, we see that God did bring about great judgments against those who led his people poorly. And yet all of those judgments are just a picture and preview of a greater final judgment when every evil shepherd will face God's wrath. And so this morning, our passage begins with a warning. A warning to shepherds, to leaders. The New Testament says, James chapter 3, Let not many among you presume to be teachers, because teachers will be subject to a stricter judgment. So the text speaks to any of us who are elders here, who are leaders. I'm speaking to our elders at ECC. Anyone here who's maybe visiting this morning or watching, who's a, who's a pastor, who presumes to be a leader, who teaches the word of God. This text is speaking to us. And telling us to be warned. Because some of the most devastating warnings in the Bible are reserved for leaders and shepherds. Why does the Lord bring such terrifying judgments against bad shepherds? Why does he hold leaders to account in these ways? Why does he punish these shepherds in such a devastating way? It's because evil shepherds afflict and hurt and harm and use and abuse and devour the sheep. God punishes evil shepherds because they harm the sheep. Think of what Jesus says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Which brings us to our second point today. The first point, the outer pieces of the bread, evil shepherds will face God's judgment. Now we're going to the second layer of the sandwich. Evil shepherds abuse the sheep. It's our second truth about evil shepherds. Evil shepherds abuse the sheep. The evil shepherds deserve the judgment that they receive because of their evil actions towards the sheep. Look at verses 4 to 6. Thus says the Lord my God, become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, I have become rich. And their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hand of his neighbor and each into the hand of his king. And they shall crush the land and I will deliver none from their hand. So I told you there are two skits here. The Lord is giving Zechariah the role that he must enact in the first skit. He tells him, become the shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. So Zechariah is going to take on the role in this drama of a shepherd. And now we're getting the backdrop, the situation in which Zechariah is going to play that role. What is the condition? What is the situation of the sheep? We're being told that here. The situation of the sheep is dire. They're doomed to slaughter. Verse 4. And they're doomed to slaughter 
because of the evil shepherds that were buying and selling them and using and abusing them. All these shepherds cared about is meat and money. Look at verse 5 again. Those who buy them slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, I have become rich. And their own shepherds have no pity on them. This is the condition of the sheep at the time. They were being sold for slaughter. The shepherds have no mercy. They've been abused. Instead of being tended and fed and cared for, the sheep are shaven and chopped and eaten. We see this again in the bottom part of the sandwich as well. We're going backwards on verses 15 and 16. The Lord said to me, Take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed or seek the young or heal the maimed or nourish the healthy but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hoofs. So that's the second skit that Zechariah is to enact. And the second skit or drama, it's a different role. He's going to play the role of a foolish shepherd, of the worthless shepherd. And what does the worthless shepherd do? He doesn't care for those who are struggling or suffering. He doesn't seek the young. He doesn't feed the flock. He doesn't heal those who are wounded. But instead, he eats them and tears them apart. These texts are telling us of the kind of shepherds that were over God's people at the time. The false prophets, the lying priests, the evil kings in Israel, they were using and abusing and devouring the sheep, tearing them to shreds. And friends, this same trend continues today. Not in the form of evil kings, lying priests and false prophets of Israel, but in the form of false teachers in churches around the world. Look again at verse 5. What do they say? Blessed be the Lord, I have become rich. Does that not sound to you like the health, wealth, and prosperity teachers that you see on the internet and that who travel all around the world? You know, I think of one great example of this. There was, this was another event. This took place in the main hall too. Across from us, some of you there. In Main Hall 2, I remember, I've seen this with my own eyes a few years ago, where I was downstairs and I saw some chaos in Main Hall 2 and I wanted to investigate what this is. And they had brought in, uh, you know, laborers from the camps, the poorest of the poor. They were filled the room. And, and these men, probably from my country, India, from Pakistan, they, they didn't speak English. You know, they only know Hindi or Urdu. And the, the speaker that day is the famous apostle, so-called apostle, Joseph Injuguna from Kenya, apostle Injuguna. And while these poor laborers are standing over there, Mr. Injuguna is in gold shoes and with this multicolored coat, preaching in a language they don't understand. And Mr. Injuguna was drinking water from a water bottle. And after some time, he opened the water bottle and starts spraying everybody in the room. And he says, I'm spraying you because my saliva is in this water bottle and now my anointing is falling on you. And he told these poor laborers who didn't speak English, say Jesus seven times. Repeat after me, Jesus, seven times. When you do that, I declare to you, whatever sickness you have is healed. Whatever poverty you're struggling with, you're delivered. 
you're going to get rich. You know who got rich that day? The very next day and, and the following week on Facebook, you could see pictures of Apostle Injuguna in a luxury suite in the Emirates Palace Hotel, just enjoying himself. And then pictures of Apostle Injuguna, selfies on the flight, flying business class. Where do you think Apostle Injuguna learned this kind of trickery? Now, I really want to commend to you uh, the excellent documentary. There are two parts. You should watch this. It's called American Gospel. You know, we recently had a member uh, join ECC. Uh, he came to faith in Christ watching American Gospel. And American Gospel details for us the roots of these kinds of false teachings. The evil shepherds that abuse the sheep. Men like Creflo Dollar, who says this, I quote, if I want to believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. Friends, I'm going to name a number of these teachers. And again, the intent is to warn you, to caution you. It's an intent to protect you. The, the Bible gives us this example of naming false teachers for the protection of God's sheep. The apostles do it. The Apostle Paul does it. Maybe you, know, maybe you have in the past followed some of these or at some point been deceived. I, I, I care for you. We care for you. That's why I'm naming them. Right? We want you to know. Sometimes they come. They, you might find some things even helpful in their teachings because they give you honey mixed with poison. Creflo Dollar believes God for a $65 million plane. He says, you cannot stop me. Listen to this. Benny Hinn says, I quote, I'm a sample of Jesus. I'm a super being. There are teachers like T.D. Jakes who denies the foundational cardinal doctrine, Christian truth of the doctrine of the Trinity and teaches a false version of God. Teachers like Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Mayer, and Joel Osteen who deceive people by saying, if you just have enough faith, your life will be all fine and there'll be no suffering. That destroys the sheep. It destroys someone who is suffering with sickness to tell them the reason you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith or you didn't make big enough a donation. Listen to Paula White, another evil shepherd. She says this, I quote, I want you to hear from God. God already spoke to me what I'm going to tell you. You're going to write your checks. God told her this. You're going to write your checks to Paula White Ministries. If God tells you to give $12.99, do it. Whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you, if you need to give by credit card, do so. Does that not sound to you like, blessed be the Lord, I have become rich? And there are newer versions of these false teachings and evil shepherds. There's this new movement called the New Apostolic Reformation. Beware this movement. It's based in Bethel Church, California. It's led by a man named Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson teaches that suffering has no place in the Christian life. Completely contrary to all of the Bible. And they even use their own translation of the Bible called the Passion Translation, which completely deviates from the original text. Just like many cults do, come up with their own translation to justify their teachings. Friends, these are all evil shepherds who are abusing the sheep and say, Blessed be the Lord, I have become rich. And the Lord will expose them. 
just like he exposed a false teacher in my country, the famous Paul Dinakaran, who has amassed a multi-million dollar fortune. There are other kinds of evil shepherds as well, you know. They operate slightly differently. There are those evil shepherds who lead the sheep into slaughter by deceiving them with false and deadly doctrines. For instance, I can think of many ministers around the world today, even in this country, even in so-called evangelical churches, who are teaching that homosexuality is not a sin and is perfectly acceptable before God. What God clearly calls sin in the Bible, and God tells you to repent from, and He invites you to come and receive forgiveness, the pastors are saying, so-called pastors say, oh, this is fine. Go on, carry on. Just continue the way you are. God accepts it. Friends, if, if you're here and if you struggle with that sin or any other sin, I want you to know God can and does forgive sin. He is abundant in grace and He gives the power to overcome sin through Christ. But don't believe the lie that false shepherds teach that you should embrace your sin. You know, it's devastating and it's heartbreaking to see people fall prey to these kinds of evil shepherds. And so this morning I want to ask, brothers and sisters, what about you? Have you fallen under the influence of evil shepherds this past year? During this time of the pandemic, of trial and social distancing, have you begun to fall sway to false promises of prosperity? Have you been lured away by some kind of evil shepherd on the internet? It grieves our heart. You know, I'll tell you, as, as elders, we've been grieving and praying for the past year, seeking out and pursuing two of our members of ECC who have fallen prey to a false cult that is operating in this city called Members Church of God International, led by the notorious Eliseo Soriano, who uh, claims to be the new Jeremiah. How heartbreaking! We should all grieve as members of ECC, fast and pray that God would give them the knowledge of the truth and they would not fall under this wicked teaching. When I see sheep in this terrible condition being bought and sold, being abused and used, being slaughtered and devoured by false shepherds, friends, it's heartbreaking. It's devastating. But what is even more shocking is what we see next in the text. What we see next in this passage ought to really sober us and caution us. You see, we ask the question, why? Why are so many sheep, even today, being led away by false teachers, being taken in by evil shepherds, when we should have common sense and, and we know better what these people are teaching is lies. And, and the text answers this question, but not in the way that we expect. You see, you might expect all the blame to fall on the shepherds. But suddenly as we come to the center of our sandwich, the meat portion here of this sandwich, 
there's a sudden twist and a shocking surprise. And that is that the sheep are as much to blame as the shepherds. These sheep have been given over, delivered to evil shepherds because they have been evil sheep. Maybe you missed what the text said in verse 6. Look again at that. The Lord says, I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Why are they being abused by evil shepherds? Because the Lord no longer has pity on them. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hands of his neighbor and each into the hand of his king and they shall crush the land and I will deliver none from their hand. God gives them over to evil kings. God gives them over to destruction. God even allows them to afflict each other and bite and devour one another. I give them to fall into the hand of his neighbor. Or, or notice again what was said in verse 16. The Lord says, Behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd. The Lord is raising up in the land the worthless shepherd. It's God who raises up this worthless shepherd. It's God who has no more pity and caused the sheep to fall into their hands. Why? Why does God do that? And the center meat of the passage gives us the answer. That's truth number three about evil shepherds. First we saw evil shepherds will face God's judgment. Second, evil shepherds abuse the sheep. And finally, evil shepherds are given because the sheep reject the good shepherd. Evil shepherds are given because the sheep reject the good shepherd. Verses 7 to 14. So I became the shepherd of the flock, doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. So this was the first drama or skit. And Zechariah here is meant to enact the role of the shepherd, a good shepherd, seeking to shepherd this flock who are doomed for slaughter. And Zechariah takes on the role. And I took two staffs, one I named Favor and the other I named Union, and I tended the sheep. Zechariah represents God's shepherding. The Lord has been his people's shepherd. He saw his people throughout Israel's, Israel's history being afflicted, suffering, in bondage, crying out. And Yahweh, the Lord came as the good shepherd to his flock, to his people Israel. He had compassion on them. He came, came to tend them. How do the sheep respond? Verse 8, in one month I destroyed three shepherds. The Lord clears out bad shepherds. What do the sheep do? But I became impatient with them and they also detested me. The sheep respond by biting the good shepherd. They resisted him. They tested his patience. They despised and even hated the good shepherd. That's a really strong word. They detested me. They abhorred me. They abominated and hated me. So I said, verse 9, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die? Let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. 
the Lord gives his people over to what they want so that they eat one another's flesh. And we saw this in the story of Israel. This is enacting something that has already happened in the story of Israel. God judged his people by giving them over to false prophets, by giving them over to evil kings who ruled them in wicked ways and led them astray, by giving them over finally to the judgment of exile where they would be carried off into Babylon and be ruled there with oppression and pain. And we see that in the rest of the passage there, verses 10 to 14. I took my staff favor and I broke it, annulling the covenant that I had made with all the peoples. God's covenant with Israel is brought to an end because of their sin and repeated violations of his law. They no longer experience his favor. So it was annulled on that day and the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. So we've seen that the covenant was annulled and now the good shepherd speaks to the sheep and say, okay, this relationship is ended. Do you want to pay me my severance? Do what you want. And, and the sheep say, oh yeah, we've had enough of you. Here's your gratuity. Here's your return home ticket. Bye-bye. We're ending your employment. Oh, shepherd, it's finished. And the Lord says, oh, look at the lordly price that they put on me. This is how much they value me. 30 pieces of silver is what they use to value the Lord their God who should be of infinite worth to them. And the Lord says, take that money and throw it to the potter in the house of the Lord, in the temple. Why? Why this throwing to the potter in the house of the Lord? Well, potters were in the house of the Lord and they were craftsmen. They worked in the temple. And this is the place where all of the idolatry was taking place. Let them take the money and let them make the idols that they want with it. Verse 14, Then I broke my second staff union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And so we're seeing that what came about the breaking division of the kingdom between Judah and Israel that you read about in Kings that we've been talking about the last two weeks, this took place as God's judgment upon the people. Where you have no union with God, you can have no union with one another. That's always true. When your union with God is broken, when God has no favor on you, there's no unity with one another. And so we see that the sheep are suffering under bad shepherds, but now we learn that this is a problem of their own making. God gave them what they wanted, what they chose. As one teacher says, suffering at the hands of bad shepherds has as its root cause a failure to value and respond properly to the loving care and discipline of the true shepherd, God himself. They have the kinds of leaders they deserve and the faith that awaits them is entirely appropriate for the kinds of people that they are. And friends, it's no different today. It's no different today. Bad sheep still hire for themselves bad shepherds. Think of 2 Timothy 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming, and that's today, that's now, 
when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. People gather for themselves teachers who will scratch their itching ears and give them what they want to hear. God judges us for resisting him by delivering us over to the kind of teachers, the kind of bad shepherds that we want. The book of Zechariah began with an earnest call from the Lord. Return to me that I might return to you. In this chapter, we see a warning from God. Reject me and I will reject you. I want to be clear, not every case of suffering under bad shepherds is the fault of the sheep. After all, even in Israel, there were a godly few who suffered along with the others, along with the ungodly. But in many cases, it's very common that those who suffer under bad shepherds do so because it's what they've chosen. So we better beware resisting the Lord, of resisting the good shepherd. And I want to ask you, dear friends, this morning, where are you resisting the Lord as the good shepherd in your life? I want to talk about the ways that he seeks to shepherd us, two ways that he seeks to shepherd us. First and foremost, the Lord shepherds us by his word, through the Bible. As one pastor says, Jesus shepherds his people today when they hear the words of the Bible and follow them in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why the Bible is to be at the heart of church life, in families, small groups, and individually. Not just studying the Bible, but obeying it. That's why we value and cherish expository preaching at ECC. So that what you hear here is not my own ideas or our own ideas or opinions, but what you hear here is the word of God speaking. The scriptures must speak. They have their voice. The Holy Spirit works through God's word and he leads us to honor and obey God's word. That's how he always works. So I want to ask you, how is your love for the Bible, friends? Are there portions of God's word that you are suppressing, that you are disregarding, maybe even twisting or just resisting? If so, you may be resisting the Good Shepherd himself. God shepherds us through the Bible. The Good Shepherd, secondly, shepherds us through elders. He appoints elders as his under-shepherds, for your good, for your soul. Elders are charged with shepherding the flock in the New Testament, under the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4, to where Peter is speaking to the elders, he says, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, look at verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Elders shepherd on behalf of the good shepherd. Elders are charged with protecting the flock. Acts 20, verses 28 to 30, 
The Apostle Paul, speaking to the elders in Ephesus, says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Friends, you want to follow the Spirit's leading? I know a lot of people want to be Spirit-led, right? How do you follow the Spirit's leading? You follow the leadership of those whom the Holy Spirit appoints over your life as elders and overseers. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw the disciples after them. Friends, the elders are charged with protecting the doctrine of the church, with protecting you from false teachers. By the way, this is why our policy, if you're wondering oh, why it's so restrictive, this is why our policy is that any class or Bible study being taught at ECC, any kind of seminar, the curriculum for that must be approved by the elders. It's to protect the flock. Elders are charged with watching over your souls. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Elders will give an account to the chief shepherd for their oversight of your souls. You know, friends, I know the elders of ECC. I see the countless hours that they put in with tears, with much personal sacrifice, laboring in prayer for your soul, seeking to shepherd you, pursue you, love you, teach you. And I want to say the elders of ECC are godly, faithful men who deserve your trust. They are not bad shepherds. I want to ask you, friends, members of ECC, do you realize that elders are one of the ways that the Lord himself, the good shepherd, intends to shepherd you? He places these shepherds in a position of authority over your life for your benefit, for your good. And through them, he leads and guides you. And I want to say this very clearly. When you resist godly authority, when you resist the authority and leadership of good elders who instruct you from the word of God, you might be resisting God himself. So I want to ask you, what are the areas in your life? Examine your heart this morning. What are the areas that you're resisting the authority of God expressed through his word and through your elders? So Zechariah 11 is a sobering warning. It's a sobering warning of what happens when people reject and resist the Good Shepherd. And many years later, this drama from Zechariah's day would be enacted in reality and played out again. Because many years later, the Lord himself came once again as the Good Shepherd to rescue and shepherd his sheep. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, the good shepherd, he came to bring favor and unity between the people of God. 
He came to bring forgiveness and grace. He saw his people suffering as sheep without a shepherd and his heart overflowed with compassion for them, for you. But what did the sheep do? How did the sheep respond? They responded by rejecting him, despising him, and slaughtering him. The sheep slaughtered the shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, was betrayed and sold, priced at 30 pieces of silver. And he was rejected and killed. And Matthew tells us that. It fulfilled this prophecy. You see, it was the sheep that deserved judgment. It was the sheep that deserved punishment for their rejection of the shepherd. You and I, we deserve judgment. We deserve to be punished and slaughtered for our rejection of him. We deserve slaughter. But this is the good news of the good shepherd. That in dying on the cross, our good shepherd, Jesus, took our sins upon himself took the slaughter that we deserve. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shearers silent. He opened not his mouth. The shepherd was slaughtered in place of the sheep. He died as our substitute taking the punishment that we deserve so that we, so that you, dear sinner, receive mercy, mercy, mercy and the forgiveness of sins. As Peter says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin And live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep. But have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Dear non-Christian friend. Maybe you've never known this good shepherd. Or maybe you're here and you've fallen under the sway of evil shepherds. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a sheep that has been straying. May I call and invite you, come once again into the arms of the good shepherd. His hands are blood-stained with the sacrifice that he made for sinners. And his arms are open wide, welcoming you into his embrace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, our good shepherd. I pray that we would not go astray or resist him, but that we would return to him in repentance and in faith always. In Jesus' name, amen.